Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. Before I do that, let me ask. They're going to go in here. Older kids? Okay. The older kids, normal Sunday school room this week, but next week, you guys are going to get a new Sunday school room. So that's exciting. (laughs) It's exciting, everything that's happening. I know sometimes, like, change causes chaos. But change is a good thing because it causes us to stretch a little bit. Causes, sometimes for kids, change is real hard. (laughs) But uh, life is change. I don't think anyone in here would deny that at some point you're going to (laughs) change. Well, I know next week there'll be a lot more room in here. That's for sure. Come Thursday, when those walls come down, there's going to be a lot more room in this place. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's going to be enough more room (laughs) for a little while. You know, in our last building, we had um, 40 chairs set out. And... uh, There was, I think, two services where we had, like, 43 and 48 people, and it ended up being, like, standing room only. Nobody wants to stand. Well, I mean, we stand in church and worship, and you know what? I'd give up my seat, but no one wants, everyone wants to be comfortable. And and unfortunately, like, when you go and, like, look at things, they're like, oh, 80% capacity. That's that's it, because people don't want to sit next to each other. Thank you all for sitting next to each other today. It touches my heart. (laughs) Um, So we've been in a series titled Get Connected. It's not up there, but uh, normally it is. I think we had an issue. We must have had an issue with our MIDI cues this morning, but whatever. Um, Get Connected is the title of the series, but today my title for my message is Get Connected to Christ. Throughout this whole series, we've talked about prayer. We've talked about having connection with Christ, our community, and church. And one of the things that we talked about is how prayer creates and maintains my, crea- my connection with Christ. And because I maintain my relationship with Christ, I am called to reach my community. And because of that, and my connection with Christ, and my connection with my community, I'm going to go to church. Now, I know that there are some people, sometimes you're like, well, we don't, we don't really need church. We don't really need the church. And so I'm not going to like preach a message that says y'all need to go to church because you're here. But I think sometimes we have to look at it. America needs the church. Our community needs the church. The world needs the church. But what the church, what the world does not need is a church that sits there and nitpicks every little piece. <laughs> so that's one of the things I'm going to talk about today. You need the church. So things I've heard. 
well, when I go to church, people just judge me. Has anyone ever heard that? Has anyone ever said that? When I go to church, people are just going to judge me. You know what? If I walk into that building, it's, uh, it's going to burst into or Did they say that? It's going to burst into flames? Because they should be like, I'm going to burst into flames. Like, I don't know. Like, well, that's okay. Let's try it out. Like, come on. Come on. Check it out. <laughs> God will touch you. <laughs> you won't burst into flames walking to church. I promise you. It might change your life, though. I can tell you that. So some other things I've heard is, well, they just think that they're better than everyone else. Anyone ever heard that? Like, I, I've heard it like, oh, people in church, like, they just, they're just stuck up. You know, they, they're, they, they, they just think they're better than everyone else. I'm not better than anyone. I, I'm telling you, like, I, I, I'm a sinner saved by grace. <laughs> I have a, a history of addiction and, and a history. And, and I don't, like, we can glorify that or I can glorify God. I'm going to glorify God with what he's allowed me to go through. So other things I've heard, well, there's just a bunch of hypocrites. They go to church, and they put on their, their nice clothes. I put on my jacket today. Normally don't wear a jacket, but I put it on today. Grandma thinks I look nice. Um, um, I, put on that, I put on the jacket, and I, I look a certain part when I go to church, but really my life is just a mess. I'm just a hypocrite. And you know what? I'd rather be around a bunch of people who are just trying to make it, and we still sometimes hurt people. We still sometimes make mistakes, and I know some of us still cuss sometimes, and, you know, maybe that's not the best way to handle uh, our anger and things like that. The Bible says to be angry and sin not, but you know what? Sometimes it slips up, and I've got to repent, and yes, I sometimes maybe I, I don't practice what I preach, but I try to live the very best that I can. We all make mistakes. I'm glad to be surrounded by a bunch of people that are messed up. If you're not messed up, you walked into the wrong building. I'm sorry. That, that, that's down the street somewhere else. I'm sorry. This is a place for messed up people. <laughs> it's, it's a place for people that are trying to get a hold of God, have a connection with God. I, I'm okay with that. I love that. So I, I hear these things. Well, the church is just full of sinners. Well, thank God that's what it's for. <laughs> I want a bunch of sinners in church. You know, I, I, I told a, anyone know what revival is? Anyone ever heard that term? Like, I want to have revival. So there's, sometimes people will like use that term revival and they just talk about like just having a couple of um, services. That's not revival. True revival is, Webster gives a great de definition. It's a restoration of force. And um, I love that idea. I need a, I need my, I need my spirit refreshed. I need who I am refreshed. Well, there's just one thing. Like sometimes, like I've been, I've been, I've been in church for a long time. You know, like I've gone to a bunch of different churches, and boy, you can get a bunch of people who believe and together, and we can worship God together, and it's great. But that, that's not revival. You know what revival is? What I see in revival. I see when it's the drug addicted, the alcohol addicted, walk off the street, come into church, God touch them, and all of a sudden those desires and those things, they begin to change. I still believe in a God that touches people. That I still believe in a God that delivers people. I still believe in a God that heals, that touches, that loves and cares for the people that are sitting right here, right now. Not only here, but in our community, in our city, in our county. I believe that with everything 
in my heart. So I want the church to be full of sinners, but sinners that are on a path that God is changing. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm saved by grace, but I still make mistakes. (laughs) So they really make a good argument sometimes to why church is important whenever they make these arguments, because all broken people are coming to church. Like a lot of times people are like, I got my life figured out. I don't need God. That means you need God. Maybe you need to help someone else get to where you're at. Um, And so someone, if someone hurts you at some point, I'm sorry. We're human. If I hurt you, I'm going to tell you I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you I was wrong. And I'm going to try and make it right because I'm still learning to grow in the grace of God. Just like every single person here is. So the beauty of the church, though, is that there's community here. And there's brokenness here. And my hope is for healing in that community. My hope is for change in that community. My hope lies in Jesus Christ because he is the one that can change anyone that sits here today. You don't have to get up and leave today and go back to who you you once were. You don't have to go back to a life of addiction. You don't have to go back to a wall oppressed by the enemy. You can leave here today changed forever by the power of Jesus Christ. So a connection with Jesus is the cure for many of our problems. And so we started with our Father who art in heaven in Matthew chapter 6, hallowed be thy name. And it's declaring my relationship. I'm not praying those words specifically. I'm praying this section of the prayer. I'm praying, pray like this is what it said. So in verse 25, it says, therefore I tell you, Don't worry about your life. Whoa, hold up. How many of you got some anxiety sometimes? Yeah, you know what? I walk into this room today and I'm like, it's full. You know where my anxiety goes? (laughs) (laughs) Way up here. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, I get surrounded by people and I'm like, I love, I love every single one of you. But sometimes, like, (laughs) I just get a skirt, okay? (laughs) And so... Here it goes in Matthew 25, it says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body. What will what you will wear? Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, I work in I work in the high school and I can tell you, like, I wish I could just tell the kids, hey, just don't worry. You know, this just don't 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 worry about it. Like you're you're, (laughs) God said, don't worry about your body. He said, don't worry about what you'll wear. But the reality is sometimes like that, that's, that's the thing that's on my mind. I got body image issues. I'm afraid of what someone might think when they look at me. I'm afraid of what I think. How many of you ever said, I don't judge people? Like I've said it before, but you know, the reality is I judge every single person. And, and, and so do you like, but by, I judge them by my measure, right? Like I, I, I got my, I got my tape measure out. I'll be like, are cool why are they cool because they have fit my definition of what cool is so I I I pass this like judgment like I look at someone I'm like before I ever say one word to you I've thought things in my head that's just because of who I am and you know what I I dare say there isn't a single person in here who says no when I see a person this is a blank slate is what I see it's like a white piece of paper with nothing on it no I look at something and I'm like wonder what that 
wonder what that could be. So we all judge, and that's one of the reasons why we have this, like, anxious feeling in our lives. But it says here in verse 26, it says, Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Whoa, Jesus is saying, hey, yeah, there's birds out there and they're all created, but you are worth more than them. They get fed. They don't go to work. They don't work a job. Like I get up and I work my nine to five, seven, more like eight to 4.30. <laughs> but I get up and I work my job and I go through my life and I, I buy my food, I buy my clothes, and I give, I do what I can. But the birds, they don't have to work. God, why did you say this? Why is this in your word? In verse 27, it says, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? You know what's so crazy is like being someone who's like trained with mental health background and stuff. Like some of this stuff is actually skills that I teach kids. If you can't, if you can't change it, recognize that and stop worrying about it. It's really hard. Like it's like obviously it's easier said than done, but that's literally one of the first things that you do. Like, oh man, I got a problem. I mean, you got a problem in here today. I got a problem, okay? And I know who the problem fixer is, is Jesus. And I need to go to him so that he can solve the problem. A connection with Jesus is the, is the cure for these problems. I have to have that connection because it's the cure. I, I need to, yes, I still worry. I still struggle at times in my life, but that connection calms me at times. Like, I could only imagine if I didn't have Jesus. Man, let me tell you what. So I, I, I try not to worry too much. Because I can't add a moment to the day. You know, we try every year, daylight savings and or daylight whatever you spring forward. Boy, I hope that passes so we don't have to change times. Please, God. <laughs> Yet we try and pack everything we can into a day. How many of you try and do that? Like, I got everything. I'm just going to pack it all into this 24-hour period. I work 367, 24 27 hours a day, eight days a week, 367 days a year. Like, <laughs> like you got extra time or something. You try and pack everything into that day. And we forget about our relationship with God because it doesn't fit the bag. You know, you can grab a bag. Good thing I have my bag here. You can fill this bag only so much. It's only got so much space, and you can't change the space. Yeah, you can stuff it a little bit, but you'll start to break the zippers and, and all those things. And if I try and stuff my life into this bag, and I try and fit everything that I can in there, eventually, it's not going to work anymore. It's not going to close. And frankly, I probably won't be able to carry it because I can't carry it on my own. When you start to fill it up so much, you start to fill your day up, all of a sudden you begin to face this burnout, you begin to face depression, you begin to face these worries and anxiety. Well, how do I make it through? I haven't even finished the goals that I had set for today. 
And here's Jesus saying, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow can worry about itself. What? That's pretty good advice, actually. And so I try and pack everything that I can into this bag. And I just end up making a mess because what happens is my time in prayer doesn't fit in that bag. My time reading his word doesn't fit in that bag. Going to church and being with a community of believers doesn't fit in that bag because work takes priority, my passions take priority, my goals take priority, my education. You can list anything else, and it begins to take priority over our relationship with God. You begin to look at things, and you can find who your God is really quick. You really can. Anything that you place before him is an idol. Matthew 6, 28 through 32, it says, And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You of little faith. Man, I don't want to be a little faith. I want to be full of faith. Am I going to falter sometimes? Yes. Verse 31 says, so don't worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Hold up. Listen to that. Your heavenly father knows what you have need of. You know what that means? That There's things that I need in my life that I probably don't even realize because he already knows that I have need of them. Man, there has been struggles in my life and there's been times I'm like, God, why didn't you just fix the air conditioning in my car? Now I got to go spend all this money on the car. And why didn't you just fix the brakes? Why didn't you make them last like the Israelite shoes? You know, one of the coolest stories in the Bible is like the Israelite shoes. When they were traveling, God preserved their shoes so they didn't wear out. Isn't that like the coolest thing? God, why don't you do that to my tires? You know that costs like $1,000 to put new tires on a car, depending on the car. Like we're just going to go in a wide range. Maybe it's 400 to 1,200 or more, you know, (laughs) depending on the car. Well, if I have to buy tires for my truck, I just don't even want to drive my truck sometimes. (laughs) Just like, oh, Lord, I can't even afford the gas for it. Oh, man. So anyways, I look at this and I'm like, man, I, I, I struggle for all these things that I need or I think I need. And God's like, no, I know what you need. And in those moments, I was struggling with other things. He kept me alive. I've I've struggled with the suicidal ideation. I've struggled with depression. And it's no fun. Nobody wants that. Nobody, you know, (laughs) I used to think for the longest time, if someone was depressed, they just need to get over it. And if they were anxious, they just needed to stop worrying about it. Well, in, in in, in a long, long thing, maybe, maybe that's the case. But you know what? Sometimes, sometimes I need a medication, whatever. But more than anything, I need a connection with Jesus Christ. So, We praise all those things. Quick and easy. I just put new batteries in this this morning. What in the world? I let Ashley use it one time. She messes it up. (laughs) We look at the world and we measure success 
by the rich, famous, powerful politicians, maybe your podcaster that you love, the book writer that you read. And, 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 and we praise all those things and we look past those faults. But when it comes to the church and people in the church, boy, we like to pick apart those things. We like to tear that apart and be like, oh, they're messed up here. They're messed up in this and they're messed up in that. Boy, I want to be messed up so he can fix me up. OK, that's where I want to be. I can never be. I can never be. I can never be you, Ryan. I am never going to shred way down here on the neck of the guitar. It's never going to happen. Because I'm not disciplined enough to sit down. My ADHD is way too bad to sit there and be good at playing the guitar. I'm going to struggle every time we play Do It Again when I'm trying to just like, okay, what was the stinking chord again? I can't get the formation I can hear. I'm messing it up. Everyone else is like, oh, it's beautiful. No, it's not. <laughs> I can hear it. I pick apart everything. I've been waiting to tear down this wall since we fixed that wall. Man, that corner on there, if you've seen it, it has driven me nuts every time I preach. You may not see it, but I have to look at that corner every Sunday, and I hate it. I did it. <laughs> I, got, I lost my patience with it, okay? There's sometimes I just don't have patience, and I just have to, okay, it's good enough now. And it drives me nuts because I did that. And no one else probably, I don't, now that you look at it, you're like, oh, my Lord. How have we let that go for so long? <laughs> Never hire that guy again. <laughs> but I know this. I can't be you. Deborah, I'll never be you. But you know what? I'm going to be who God called me to be. And I'm going to be the best Zach Pretty that there is in the world. I am going to be the best one because he called me. And you know what? The thing is, is you can be the best whoever you are that God calls you to be. But the thing is, is it takes action. When he calls, you can't just sit there. Like, that's why I have a connection with him. Because if I didn't have a connection with him, man, I'd be somewhere in the street getting high. Okay, I'd be somewhere in the bar getting drunk. That is where I would be. I would not be here this morning preaching to you. I can promise you that. But because of him and because of some action on my part, God can use me. So when he calls you, don't sit there and be like, okay, sounds good. God, just make every step of the way clear. It's going to be muddy sometimes. And you're going to have to feel it out. God, what do you want me to do? I can't allow my identity to be wrapped up in everybody else. My identity isn't found in any one of you. My identity was found in Jesus Christ. And he found value long ago when he died on the cross for me and for you. Like I can look at him and he says, I love you. While he hung there on the cross, he was saying, I love you. That's my identity. So many people can be better at quoting their favorite podcaster, political commentator, and so many other people. And the truth is, is we struggle to quote things out of the word of God. It doesn't matter how good you can quote Harry Potter. If you can't quote the word of God. If you don't know what this says. I don't really care about anything else. Like yes I went to school and I had education. But man those books don't compare to the wisdom that is in the word of God. Can we truly be like Christ? 
if we're more like our favorite commentator on the news, if all I consume myself with is the current events, and I'm not telling anyone, go stop watching the news. You can certainly watch the news, but don't let that be your life. Don't let that predict every single thing that you do. Let the word of God lead you and guide you into all truth and all righteousness. So who are we to become more like? My favorite news anchor. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> My favorite preacher. You know what? Yeah, I would. You know, I, I just went to this conference this weekend. And man, there are some preachers there that like some of them are like rock stars to me sometimes. I'm just like, man, I love. I just love the way you preach. I wish I could preach like that. But I've had to come to this realization that I don't get to preach the messages they get to preach. I don't get to preach the way they get to preach. I get to preach the way God gave me the message. Because for whatever reason, sometimes I resonate with people. And sometimes y'all take a note about what I'm saying. And I'm like, Lord, I hope I said something good. <laughs> I get worried. But why is that? I don't want to be my favorite preacher. I want to be, I want to be used of God. I'm not, I'm not pursuing someone. I'm pursuing him. I pursue Christ. And I want to make my calling and election sure. And that should be the objective of every Christian in this place. So just in case you thought I was joking, Matthew 6, 33 through 34, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Boy, Jesus was putting down the wisdom back in the day and it still rings true today. I got plenty of trouble today and I don't need to worry about the trouble that's going to be there tomorrow. I should just focus on the here and the now and do what I can. Put my hands to the plow. And do what he's called me to do. So my command is to hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's what I should do. Not to hunger and thirst after fame, fortune, and power. But to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because those are the people that will be filled in everything I do. I should seek to honor God. You pull out your can calendar. You can generally begin to identify places. You choose something over God. Your relationship is not a passive relationship with God. It's not like one day you're just like, well, you know, Jesus, I like you. Cool, I love you. Um, and then you just like think you got a relationship. Austin, if I, if I talk to you one time, I don't have a relationship with you, do I? Kind of, yeah, okay, like a passing relationship, but you don't really know who I am. I don't really know who you are if we don't talk more, right? Now, now, God knows the end from the beginning. I know that he knows my ups and my downs. He knows all those things. But if I don't have a relationship with him, what good is him knowing? If I don't have a relationship with him. And that's the part that I'm just trying to really hit home today is you've got to have a relationship that is active. Don't, don't, don't let it be passive. Seek out to have that friendship with Jesus Christ. It'll change your life. So the church is full of people who love to look at one another and say, well, so-and-so does this and so-and-so does that. And 
Sometimes we sit back, judging, tearing down, and accusing people because they don't line up with my worldview or because they don't line up with this or they don't line up with that. So I brought some visual aids because Jesus said some really good words here that I want to share with you. Yeah, we all make mistakes, and yeah, the church is imperfect. And you know what? I've made mistakes. This is one of the prizes today for the kids. Since wood is so expensive, this is all we can afford. <laughs> this thing cost 99 cents. I went to Menards today. I was hoping I could just find a piece of scrap wood. I did. I bought this, and I found this on the floor. They didn't have a price tag on this, so I didn't have her scan it. <laughs> it's a broken piece of wood. I was going to buy a two-by-four, but this was 99 cents, and those were like $5. And I was like, never mind. I don't need that. <laughs> I'm a judger. I'll admit it. And if you say you never judge, you're probably a liar because every single one of us in here judges. <laughs> Even if you say, oh, that person is doing such a great job, you have passed some type of judgment. Who are you to say that it was a good job? No, you know what? Tell people they're doing a good job. That is okay. But we judge people by our measures. So before I ever say anything, hundreds of thoughts have rushed through my mind when I see someone. For the very first time, and you know what? I'm honest with the kids I work with. I'm real honest. First time I meet a kid, I always give them an opportunity to ask me a question. Freebie. I'm like, this is your freebie. Any random question that comes to your mind, and you should hear some of the things I've heard. I'm telling you, sometimes I'm like, really? That's the question you're going to ask me? Like, okay, cool. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Anyways, sometimes those kids will be like, I'll tell them, you know, I'm like, you know, <laughs> when they're struggling with anxiety, because I struggle with anxiety, but I've just come to the realization that people are going to judge you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And so there was this one time I was working with a kid. He's like, I'm worried what people think about me. I was like, well, you know what they think about you? No. Yeah, neither do I, but I can tell you they have got a lot of thoughts. And he was like, huh? I was like, yeah. I was like, you know what? You'll never change the fact that people think about you. And they think about me. I'm like, I hate walking down to the lunchroom. Because, like, here I am. This, this guy just standing there like, I ain't got no friends. I just, I just kind of stand there in the corner like, I'm not like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I'm not there to, you know, I can't really just like go around and talk to all the kids, but like I try to. And they're like, who's this weird guy? Why is the therapist talking to me? Does he think there's problems? Those are the things that run through my mind. Like, I don't want to be weird. <laughs> but sometimes I'm weird. <laughs> and so I tell, I tell. <laughs> I tell this kid, I'm like, you know, it's okay. I was like, people are always going to think things, and you're never going to change that. So why don't you just be who you are? And he was like, it's easier said than done. I was like, yeah, I know. I'm still working on it myself. <laughs> There's not much more to tell about that story. Uh, he's, he's doing great. <laughs> um, but anyways... Matthew 7, 1 through 2, it says, do not judge. And you know what? Like, I feel like people love this scripture. People who don't even read the Bible know this scripture. And they're like, well, the Bible says don't judge. And I love this. I love it. I love reading those posts on my, my favorite. 
Facebook. Gosh, I love you because you are a source of entertainment. People are like, well, the Bible says don't judge. You need to read the rest of that scripture. And probably all the ones that surround it, it says, do not judge so that you won't be judged. Like, that's, that, that's, some, that's some good stuff right there. And then it goes on to say, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Now, how many of us have got some funky measures that we use to measure people? You ever been like, well, that person's weird and that person's cool? Why? Maybe you are the weird one and they're actually the cool one. Have you ever thought about that? Because I have. <laughs> I sit there and I'm like, man, I'm okay with like, maybe we're just the weird people. And like, do they think I'm weird? And they're going to think people are cool? Like, anyone? Okay, so like, I work in a high school, okay? So come on, give me a break. Like, <laughs> These are the thoughts that I have sometimes. You were like, I hope I was walking into some deep theological uh, ideas that would come out today. And he's talking about these weird thoughts of like how he feels insecure sometimes. I know it's crazy, right? And so do you. Like how many of you really have like every day have this deep theological revelation of the word of God? It happens every once in a while for me. But sometimes <laughs> all the other thoughts in my head reign supreme. And I start judging people by my measure. We're all, we all fall prey of it. Now, I'm not here to tell you not to judge. I just want to give you some clarification. The measures that I have are way too funky. I want God <laughs> to use his measures on me. So when I judge, I really do try and go by the word of God. If I was ever to be like, hey, let's talk sometime. And I was ever to be like, hey, maybe you should try this in your your walk with God, it wouldn't be just because I thought it was a good idea. It would be because I found it out of the word of God. Like when I say, hey, you probably shouldn't drink and you probably shouldn't do drugs and things like that. That is also in the Bible. Like be sober, be vigilant for the adversary is out seeking whom he may devour. Like there's, there's reasons why I say it, not just because it's a personal opinion. Like I try and keep my personal opinions to myself and the word of God as the primary source. So anyways, in Matthew 7, 3 through 5, it says, Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? This is the splinter. I, I just size comparison, you know. I think about Jesus when he started teaching this, and he probably picked up, like, you know, a big piece of wood. And because Jesus, like, he just has got, he's so cool. His visual aids were so cool. And it's, you know, I just imagine this, like, here you are thinking you've got it all figured out. And you're worried about the little splinter in someone's eye. Yet you have this big beam of wood in your eye. <laughs> I, you know what? I will agree. Like, here I am talking in the microphone. Like, I'm about to have a splinter in my eye. <laughs> Anyways, how many of us, we try and go around, we help people. Like, sometimes, boy, there are people, there are people lost and dying in this world. Spiritual deaths. The church sometimes is, 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 is dying of a spiritual death in some cases and needs to be revitalized. It needs revival. It needs a restoration of force. But here I am. You ever seen someone do CPR? Like, let me, let me breathe life into your mouth. 
while I'm stabbing you, okay? You can't really help someone if you don't first recognize the problem in your life and begin to work on it. Like, like I want to help people, but there are some areas that I can't help people because I still struggle in those areas, and I'm still working on the beam that's in my eye. I'll point it out, and I'll be like, well, sin is sin, but I still got to work on things. So it says in verse 4, how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Verse 5 says, hypocrite. First take the beam out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. You know, that, 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 even this, if this was stuck in my eye, Lord, that would hurt. And so you know what, this paints a picture to me. We live in a world of people that hurt. You may have been hurt by the church. You may have been hurt by your family. You may have been hurt by your friends. And you're sitting here and you've got a beam. And I'm not even talking about the judging part anymore. That was the freebie. But I'm talking about the pain that you walk with daily. The pain that is stuck in your head that you can't get out. And you're like, what is going on? I, I, I want to be better. This isn't how I want to be. And the reality is, is you've got to have that connection with Christ. And you've got to say, God, I've got this problem here. And I need you to heal me. Because this beam that's stuck in here. And as you begin to recognize those things, God begins to touch and begins to move. He's not going to force himself on you. But I have got to, I've got to get this hurt out of my body. I've got to get this pain that has been plaguing my mind for so long. And the devil continues to sow seeds of doubt into your mind. If God really was real, he wouldn't let you feel this way. If God was really real, you think your family would have hurt you like that? God has a plan for you. And while it may sound terrible, man, there's things that I have walked through in my life that I was questioned the existence of God because I was like, God, why would you bring me to this place? Why would you let me feel this way? Why would you let this happen to me? But God had a plan in nearly every one of those cases. God has shown me why I walked through that. God, if, if you were real, you wouldn't have taken my dad. God, if you were real, I wouldn't have had cancer at seven. God, if you were real, I would have been able to have kids. Like, what, what's the deal, God? Yeah, I have some deep things that sometimes I question God. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that I serve a God that's a healer. You're like, but Zach, you're, you, you can't have kids. You know what? I know that. But maybe one day God will heal me. But I don't care if he does or if he doesn't. Like, it's my thing that I get to carry. And I get to connect with different people because of it. But when I was seven years old, God did touch me. God did heal me of cancer. Yes, I did go through chemotherapy. But when they did surgery on my neck and opened up the tumor, it just fell apart in the doctor's hands. There's stories in my life that God kept me. And I know that he has a purpose and a plan for me. And while I don't fully understand anything because I don't have the mountaintop view, I know that 
my life has got to be in his hands. You see, relationship and submission to God go as, has got to be part of your prayer life. God, I need you to change me. Many times I look back over my life. And I look at the problems that were there. And there were many problems. There were many troubles. There were many deficiencies. But I began to realize that in those moments of despair, those moments where I was really struggling, the majority of the reason why was because I had removed myself from God's hands. I jumped off and said, you know what? I'm good. I don't need to be submitted to your plan or your will anymore. I'm good. Like, I, like you fixed me. Like, I, you, you got the crack. It, it now just dribbles water. You know, like, I, did, I, need, I need all of it patched up. And you know what? I've come to the realization that I've got to submit my life to God. And I've got to stay in his hands. Because there's protection in the master's hands. There, there's safety in the master's hands. There's peace. There's understanding. I have got to be there because there's a whole lot of things that happen in my world today that I just don't understand. But when I look at it through the lens that God has got it all in control, some of those worries and those anxieties begin to subside. And I begin to realize. The answer is Jesus. The answer is relationship with him. I've got problems and I need him. Becoming Christ-like means that I will pick up my cross and follow Jesus all the way to the foot of the cross, right? No. It means I will pick up my cross and I will gladly get on that cross. I will follow Jesus all the way to the cross and climb on the cross with him. I will do what it takes. I'm going to pick up my cross and follow him. Well, Jesus, when he picked up his cross and began to walk up the hill of Golgotha, he stumbled a few times. He was weak. You know what? But I also know this. When he crawled up on that cross, he did it for me. If he can crawl on the cross I may hate it. I may not like it. He may remove some things in my life that are messing up my relationship with him. But I will crawl on that cross gladly because he did it for me. And mine is just a spiritual cross that I have to, that I have to bear. This point in my message is I was finishing this message. I sat there and I thought, where do I go from here? Here's what I know. At least someone's got a, least li a little bit of a splinter in their eye. And maybe, maybe some of us have got beams that we haven't recognized. I've got pain. I've got hurt. But I serve a healer. Right, Tammy? We serve a healer. We serve a miracle-working God. And I truly believe that you don't have to leave this place the same person that you walked in. 
that an experience with God will change your life forever. You may walk in and you may never walk back again, but I pray it changed your life. Every time I get up to preach, I may, some people say like, oh, you do such a good job. And I'm like, well, thanks. I am nervous as I'll get out. And you know what scares me the most is that I would mess it up. That I would put me and my will before the will of God. And so I get scared because not one of us is promised tomorrow. We can walk out of here today and be gone. When I get up to preach, the biggest fear that I have in my life is that I let myself deliver what I want rather than deliver what God has. Because the last thing that I want is someone to leave without having an opportunity to repent, an opportunity to know that they can be baptized in Jesus' name, to be filled with his spirit. I, I can't leave this place knowing that I didn't tell you there was a chance. Now that you've been called, you have the responsibility to act. The choice is in your power. The preacher can't save you. Coming to church can't save you. But it certainly can help. And I'll do whatever it takes to help. I will fight every devil in hell to see you saved. I'll fight every devil in hell every single day. I'll do what it takes. I'll give of myself. I'll do what I can to see people's lives changed. Because the last thing that I want to do is be the only one that makes it. I've got to take people with me. That's how we've got to have our mindset as Christians. It's not just about me, but it's about my family. It's about my coworkers. It's about my community. It's about my city, my school, every single thing. I've got to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so maybe you get uncomfortable sometimes. I get uncomfortable. Welcome to this place of being uncomfortable. But maybe... You're more uncomfortable with where you're at in your life and you know that you need a deeper relationship with him. And so I want to challenge you right now. I want to ask every person to stand in this place. I'm just about done. And I want us to pray right now that God would touch each and every one of us. God, I pray right now that you would move in this place. God, you know every hurt. Every pain, God, you know, every thought, God, that's been held captive, God, by the enemy, God. God, I pray right now that you would touch, that you would move in this place. If you're uncomfortable with where you're at, if, if you're tired of staying in that same place and you want to go further in your relationship with God, as this song plays, I want to challenge you to begin to reach out to him. God, I need you more today than I did yesterday. If you want prayer, I want to ask you to come to the front. Every single one of us has the opportunity to leave this place a changed person. I don't care if you've done this for 50 years, five months, or just this is your very first time having an opportunity to have your life changed. Then I want you to have it because we all need it. 
He's the answer for the world. 